Amen? Praise God. It's great to have Bishop with us this morning. Made the journey over the past to be with us, and so we are honored and thankful. And so, Bishop, please come, and let's open our spirit to receive the word of the Lord today. You may be seated. Oh, yeah, 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 better go. You know, when, when I feel like the Lord has uh, told me to do something, I don't usually ask him why. I don't think I ever ask him why. I just try to respond to what he has. Now, I said told. Maybe I could use the word ask, but I don't sense that it's an asking when it comes to me. It's a directive. Do this. Say this. And so I don't, you know, over life, I've, I guess I just have uh, learned I just don't, I don't question. I don't say, why do you want to do that? I just cooperate, and things seem to work out better that way for me between me and him. Amen. I felt direction to come over here this morning. <clears throat> I reached out to Elder Hart, let him know I'd be coming over the pass and that I'd like to be here this morning. And so I'm here. I haven't thought it out. I haven't. Uh, I haven't made any effort to try to come up with something to say. I just knew I'm supposed to go. Now, I was in the Word, and there's some scriptures that I would like to uh, talk with you about, but I want to share a few other things first. We have all organized, I say we, the four congregations of Life Church have all organized for a prayer effort. And it is an increased prayer effort. You know, you've been coming together, you've been having some pre-dawn prayer meetings, and you've had men meeting at the church for a long time, and you've called it men's prayer. I think you've had some lady groups praying at various times, and I'm not aware of all the details. I don't follow it that closely, okay? But I know that we have felt, felt from the Lord to increase our effort. It begins with an effort. If it is a place in life that you have not had a lot of effort, it is helpful when others around you, believers, uh, family, friends, are making the effort for you to come alongside and say, yeah, I need to make that effort too. I've heard thousands of people through the years say, I need to pray more. Meaning whatever prayer they were doing, they felt it was substandard to what maybe the commitment that they should have uh, towards their relationship with God. And so it's helpful at times like this to make a, uh, a concerted effort. And 
I made a comment just a few weeks ago, I think, in an early morning prayer meeting, where there were others there, just the fact that you can sometimes borrow a little bit of energy from others or a little bit of commitment from others. In other words, just the fact you know your brother's going to be there may help you make the extra effort when you were dealing with not going. And that's when you're going to a place to meet together. Okay? There were many years that I didn't go anywhere to meet anybody, but I had a couch in the living room in Puyallup, and that was a place for me, which was, I didn't, now I didn't set a time or a clock or anything else, but when my body clock woke up, that's where I headed into the living room, and that's where I prayed. That's where my communion with God was. And I entertained ministering spirits there from time to time. Now, there has been seasons when I was meeting others at the church in a, on a daily basis and for a rather extended period of time, many years. And it impacted my life and it had its place. Okay. Now, I want to tell you some things that I dealt with Saturday. We organized to have a, a pre-dawn prayer meeting on Saturday, which we would meet at 4 o'clock. That means the majority of people that were going to go and be there in the building would have to get up and leave right around 3, 3.15. That's pretty early. Some of them drive a little bit of distance. And so I was up at 3 and heading out the door. My wife said, I'll see you there. And she had her clock alarm set. Before I was just a few miles away, this thought came over me. See, I know that my wife, because she's married to me, and the office that I hold, the responsibilities that I have, there's things that she feels obligated to do because of that alone. And as I left the, the apartment, I, I did not, as I was driving, I, I did not want her to have one more obligation to the church as a whole because of me. <clears throat> what I'm doing, I own. What I am committed to, I own. It, it doesn't involve anybody else in this sense. I go to the church daily because I have committed to do so as I have felt directed of the Lord. And the Lord's talked to me about this and about its impact. I don't encourage anybody to meet me there. I am hopeful that nobody will meet me there except Jesus. See, there's, there's, there's nothing working on me in my spirit. Oh, oh no, brother so-and-so is going to be there. I better, 
Pastor, I better get there or he'll think I'm not coming. I don't want that in my spirit. You know, years ago when we were raising our children, we watched around in, in grief. When we would hear of other ministries' children leaving the church. I watched as and observed and sometimes listened as children spoke of their resentment. Their resentment wasn't towards God. Their resentment was as they had all this obligation on them because they were the children of the minister. Okay? Spouses of the minister. Now, I know we say, well, yeah, but we're one flesh, and we are both that ministry. Yes, 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 yes. It was heavily upon me, and I, I prayed. Lord, do not let my wife get out of bed this morning. If her coming is out of an obligation because of her relationship to me. I don't ever want her to have pick up any resentment on my commits. You know, she's followed me closely all my life long. Since the day we married, we're 40 years in marriage now. I've had lots of ideas, direction, inspiration, call them what you want, and did many things, and she followed right along, and she get engaged and pitch in and all of that, and and she's a true helpmate. She's a true helpmate. Now, as I've gotten older, I've gotten wiser. I discuss more things with her before I take a direction. I, I want to see where she's at. I want to get up, make sure we're on the same page. Things that I didn't do when I was young. Now, when I got to the building, there were 35, 40 people that would come in the next 10 minutes. I surprised Brother Kendrick. He was there before I was. He was there at 3.30. And uh, I felt to communicate what I'm communicating to you now. But I also said this. I know that there are those who are involved in leadership. And you carry an expectation on you. Okay? And... For some, it's pressure. And some, you can read it on their face. They're there. They're, they're you know, they're there to the obligation. And they're, they voice, they want to be there. But something sometimes is completely different of what they're wearing on their face. And so I said, I release you of that. Do not come. If you get out of bed and you have a hint of resentment that you feel like you're constantly having to push back, don't come. It's not healthy for you in the end. Now, I'm going to interject one thing. Or 
you take authority over that spirit of resentment and hit the gas pedal. It's got to be one way or the other. But you can't carry this lingering idea of I'm obligated, I'm obligated, I'm obligated, and this is why I'm doing this. There is, there is such a grander liberty in the relationship with God when it's you and him. So many times in Scripture we read of a man or of God coming to a man and developing a relationship and the expression of that relationship and, and God's purpose and all of that. We want to be careful that our Pentecostalism doesn't push over into religiosity in areas of our life that it becomes a religious experience. There's no faith in a religious experience. If faith is a vehicle that God moves through, when, he, when he, we have faith in our heart, he said, if you have faith as of a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto yonder mountain. Do you know I recite this to the Lord on the way to the building in the morning? I am reminding him, him of that forever settled word. That whether I see a result today or if I receive a result tomorrow, this word is true. It's forever settled. And there's nothing pushing me back from going to where you're leading me. Is he leading you in prayer? He wants to. What kind of things does God want to pray about see sometimes our approach to him is is very held in our mindset and if our experience isn't oh I, I gotta go pray I got oh it's I gotta go and then there's that group that says oh I want to be there but I just can't get up you know the key to getting up is Going down. I don't dictate to my body clock when it should wake up. You know what? Uh, let me share something with this. I am amazed at sometimes how sensitive we can become to all of this. One morning I woke up and I realized I was awake. I said, this feels like 4.15. Got up, went to the kitchen, looked at the clock. 4.15. The next day. You're probably not going to do this. The next day, my body clock woke up. I don't know why I was experiencing this. It feels like it's 5.05. to the kitchen it was 5.05 and I thought what's this all about I, I, I don't know I don't know but I recognize there's a there is a sensitivity that comes into us okay that we're far more perceptive than what we really even know
I don't. I go by the body clock. My body clock can normally wake up between 3, 3.30, 4, 4.30, somewhere in there. Okay. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not meeting anybody at the church. I'm going. I'm going to roll out. I'm going to dress, get in my car, and I'm going to go because I have an a, I have a, feel like it's an edict from the Lord. The Lord has instructed me to go. This is his instruction to me. If you will pursue me as I direct you, and to the degree that I direct you, this will not only impact all of life church this will impact the puget sound region now if that's too much for you i'm sorry i don't call out the names of cities i don't call out the names of towns it's just what i'm feeling now i have in the past i may in the future all i'm saying is is god has gave me a directive and i am responsive to him it doesn't matter if anybody else is around it doesn't matter whether I'm there for 30 minutes or three hours. But it's a place in God that I go as he leads me. He leads me. I made a statement to my wife last night. We had actually gone back to the building and uh, spent some time there and then Thought we would grab a bite to eat on the way home. And as I was sitting in the restaurant, I said to my wife, I said, I'm, let me tell you what I'm expecting to see. And as I verbalized the things that I am expecting to see, she, she looked across and she said, your faith is tangible. I'm feeling it register with my spirit. Well, that ain't my faith, number one. But I understand what she's saying. I know that the the direction and instruction of the do you you know time's not going to go on forever. Right? You know that, right? And that we have moved into a time, and our world has rapidly changed around us, and we are continuing to move into the direction that the Lord set by His time clock, and we have a place where the players on the field. We have a role. We are members in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God. We are this. And I believe he wants to take our faith to places it has not been. I've made a statement. I continue to make it. I believe in prayer, so I pray. I believe in prayer, so I pray. I had a really good week one week. I mean, prayer was so empowered. It was amazing. The faith was shocking me. 
But I prayed, as God said, I spoke, prayed the prayers. And then one night, started about midnight, I started with these thoughts passing through my mind, and I, they were all accusatory. They were all defeatism. They were all discouraging. And I went to the building that morning, and that was a morning when there was a group gathering. And I was reminded, number one, we need to identify at times that voice. It wasn't the Lord, obviously. And not allow the discouragement to continue, but to push back, push back. It is an indicator that we're getting somewhere. It is an indicator. We're getting somewhere. It's not the confusion of, oh, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Is there something I need to do? And start quizzing our own situation. That's when it's time to just push back. Push through. And grab a hold of the horns of the altar. Again. Now, there is a, uh, there's an element in this that I felt like I wanted to communicate. I just have uh, three or four settings of scripture here. First Corinthians chapter 11 at verse Three, but I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. He is my director. He is my boss. He's my king. He is the one I am submitted to. He is the one I should be submitted to. He is the one every man should be submitted to. Now, some people submit to a priest. They don't submit to God. And in their religious experience, they just submit to the priest. Whatever the priest says. Many of them don't even read the word of God, their Bible. But they say the priest said. Okay. That's not the submission we're talking about. That's not the dynamic we're talking about in submission. My submission, every man's submission should be to God. Little commercial here, little side note here. My communion, my communion is with the Lord. He communes with me, my communion with him. There is an exchange in that that edifies me, that builds me, 
that fulfills me like nothing else. We've talked of marriage as being the representation of that communion relationship. And I have observed where <clears throat> women have sought a place of fulfillment to the highest degree from their mate and not got it. <clears throat> and in some scenarios, the relationship ended. At least they're not communing with each other. They've divorced. And they've not remarried. And I have watched them find that place, if I could call it a superior place of communion, literally with the Lord. Now, there's, there's directives in the Bible about that, of the Lord being our ultimate fulfillment. But in large part, humanity seeks to find that with people, with mates. We're in a dilemma right now. We're in a dilemma in a world of young people who now have devices that they can have close communication with. And they don't even have to limit to one. Or two. It's a dilemma. It's an epidemic. Now, my ultimate fulfillment in life is my relationship with him. I have a spouse, and I love her, and we have a beautiful relationship. But ultimately, my fulfillment is from him. My fulfillment in life, in this earth. Amen. Okay, back to the scripture. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. The head of Christ is God. We see the establishing of order. Order of responsibility. You know, there's three men in the Bible, Adam, Solomon, Ahab, that the Lord came to and held them accountable verbally in the Scripture. In other words, in the relationship, even between the man and the woman, the direction that was taken through the words that were spoken, God never mentioned the wife or the spouse, but went to the man and held him accountable. Okay? There is a... There's order, and there's accountability, and there's responsibility. So how will that conversation play out? 
on the other side. When it's you standing before him, answering about the direction you took your family. The head of every man is Christ. Every man is answerable who has a family for his family is answerable to God. You know, we can we can continue to make excuses for ourselves and uh, they won't get us anywhere. The buck stops here. Now, I, I use, because the scripture is dealing with the man and the woman and Christ, I've used these words. I am going to introduce another term, scriptural term, it's head of house. Let's go to uh, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8. I suppose it is a, a habit of humanity, you know, to push things off, to procrastinate. I think it's a it's a habit. It's a habit of humanity to, to procrastinate and put things off. And I think that in the time clock of God, it's getting very late. There's not a lot of time left if you're still waiting for the inspiration to come upon you to take a place in a position with God that you know will have a direct impact upon your home. It's getting really late. It's getting really late. Now, let me say this. I think Elder Hart is one of the greatest examples of a man leading his home the way that he has and in the leading of this congregation, this assembly of believers, the way he does. So I'm not here as an alternative here. I'm here as an additional. But if I can push you deeper today, I expect to see something happen. Let's hold our place here. After a couple of months of obeying the Lord in this directive that he has given to me, I expect every day, you know, we say this casually sometimes, we'll have an opportunity to witness to somebody and We'll think, wow, that was awesome. You know, I wish this could happen every day. I expect it every day now. I expect it every day. Because what's taking place in the morning every day, I expect it every day. He's given us a place in this world and a voice and his word in our mouth that when it's released, it does impact the world that we're living in. It impacts our neighborhood. It impacts the lady at the diner. It impacts everyone. It impacts us. Every day. One of the brothers, uh, Brother Pablo Chan, you may have met him. He'd been 
hanging around. He'd been unemployed for a little while, lost his position at the uh, King County Jail because he refused to take the shot. So he's waiting on the Lord to direct him in his employment. He's been hanging around the the uh, building there in Puyallup, and we've been working on some projects together. And every occasion I have, I know that his his funds are running out. And every occasion I have to take him and get him either breakfast or lunch, I do it. Have you eaten? Want to go to lunch? Come on, let's go. And I was amazed that last week. We went into a diner. I've been in there. Many times, and saw this one lady, and I asked her one time, "Are you from the East Coast?" She says, "No, I have a speech impediment." Oh, okay. That was her answer. And this this woman comes to wait on Brother Chan and myself, and immediately Brother Chan recognizes the dialect and begins to speak to her, and they start speaking to each other in Spanish. And I'm thinking, she don't even look Spanish. And they're talking, and they're carrying on, and, and he's leading the conversation. We just came out of a prayer meeting. He's leading the conversation, and, and before he's done, which I'm waiting to order my eggs, and, but I don't speak Spanish, so I'm going like this, kind of, you know, trying to read the situation. It's just going anywhere. Before he's done, he's talking about his parents' missionary work and about the kingdom of God. And I'm thinking, I have seen that lady. She's waiting on me through years over and over. And we've never had this, this dialogue. Well, this is what I'm saying. I am seeing it every other day. I'm not seeing it every day yet. I expect to see it every day. I expect to see it every day. Every day I cry out that the souls of men would cry out. That they would turn in repentance to God. So they're doing it. Somewhere. They're crying out. Yesterday, after we left the diner, went to the apartment. I'm looking out the window on the phone with my youngest daughter. And a lady runs out in the street screaming. I said, honey, come here. Window was open. There's a lady in the middle of the street screaming. She looks like she's running from somebody. And I'm trying to have this conversation with my daughter. Should I go out there? I said, yeah, go. And I'm talking to my daughter. So she goes down, and she tries to nose in and inquire, and the lady won't tell her her name, and it doesn't go very far. And then three police officers come, and I'm watching, and I'm listening, and I'm praying. I said, you go, I'll pray. Well, she came back up. She said, well, I think the lady's just out of her mind. And uh, the police, they seemed to know her. And they were, uh, you know, they were trying to help, but they didn't take her away. They eventually just left. And so I thought, well, that's interesting. And I uh, continued with what I was doing for about, I don't know, a half hour. And I said, baby, I am going out there. She's still in the street. That car still there. It was her husband in the car. And so I went down, s- walked slowly, and began to just ask some questions and communicate. 
not wanting to scare her. She was afraid. My wife said she's afraid. She's paranoid. Well, when I got the husband to talk to me, he wasn't sure either when he saw me. But when the walls came down, he told me she's she's having a breakdown. We've been at this for three hours. I'm following her through town. She thinks that there's people trying to kill her. His name's Fred. He told me her name was Amber. So now I got names to pray for. I said to Fred, Fred, I was up in that apartment right up there, and I was looking down here, and I was praying for you folks. Thank you. I said, you know, I leave there every morning. I go down to Puyallup to a building, and I pray for the souls of this region. And you're in this region, and now I expect every day for situations like this to surface so I can somehow help and be a minister to it. This is my new life. Every day. The clock tells me time is running out. Every day. Every day. And I am expecting situations like this to surface again and again. I'm not avoiding them. You know, kids, get away. That, you know, get away. That's. I think any situation now that surfaces is something that God intends me to interact with, to get involved in. We have no other life. We're just spending time repeating a. Our habits, our clock, our schedule, our rituals. This is our life in Christ. Now, then came Amalek in verse 8, Exodus 17 and 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men. Go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Ur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand. That Israel prevailed. Who was Moses? His sister and brother said, we can talk to the Lord ourselves. We don't need him. Who was Moses? He was chosen. He was the appointed leadership of God. And what Moses did, what Moses said, there was a trickle down that would impact those in the valley. So who are you, the head of your house? You're the appointed one. You're the one who God's gave authority and a place that what you do. What you say will 
have a trickle-down impact, effect upon all those. Oh, we don't want to use the word below you. But under your covering, under your authority, that place that God's gave, God works this way. The head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. Kids, you better obey mom. It came to pass, was Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, that's kind of like David staying back from battle. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And Moses' hands were heavy. They took a stone and put it under him. He sat thereon. And Aaron and Ur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side. His hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. This is a kingdom concept. This is the way God does things. So, I've spoken to you the things that I feel and responsibility that I feel like I have to carry spiritually. But what I want to talk about is yours. See, it's not good enough that Moses just fulfill fulfill his responsibility into the calling of God. What's important is it trickles down to the head of every household and that we take our rightful place in his kingdom by simply responding to him. Numbers chapter 1 at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month in the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel, After their families, by the house of their fathers, with the number of their names, every male by their poles, from 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every one head of the house of his fathers. Somebody made a comment one day and said, y'all are having men's prayer, you know, 
Maybe I'll do something for the women. Well, I thought about that statement as it passed through my mind. And I realized, you know, this, this really isn't men's prayer. This is head of household prayer. Well, should we have some of the women come and be there? I said, well, you'll have to decide that. But I think the, the idea and the concept here is really it's head of house. I don't think you want to put anybody in any uncomfortable situations, and there's the days when you're going to have corporate prayer, everybody coming. I think it's, it's right what you're doing. But again, it's head of household. It's not man, it's not woman, it's not girl, and it's not boy. We've had enough of that gender strife. <laughs> but by principle, when I know I have a place, I have a God-given place so that when I bow my knee, when I prostrate on the floor before God, and I begin to speak concerning things, it has bearing with God. It's not good enough that Elder Hart knows his place with the Lord. Now, he's great. You can say, well, he's a great example, and he's a great example, and you can look at him and, and refer to him as a man of prayer and all that, too. But that doesn't have the bearing on your home that you have on your home. You can't lean on his praying. You can't lean on his walk and relationship. You can receive from it. But at some point, every head of house has to say, I'm the guy. But in the home, there's a deterioration and there's a breakdown. The buck stops here. I got to know. And I got to do. And I've got to pursue God in a way that it impacts everybody behind. Everyone. Last scripture, Job chapter 1 at verse 5. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. I don't know where the understanding came from or the teaching came from, but here is a man that God uses as an example that he is rising up early in the morning and making petition, sacrifice, all those things that are mentioned in the word of God, doing this because he knows 
He is the single greatest factor in what happens here. I say here, I'm, I'm not talking about God. I'm saying the household. He's the single greatest factor. So he rises up. Am I saying something to you that you already believe? Very possible. Am I saying something that you already participate with? Each one? Very likely. I don't know. But I felt compelled of the Lord to come. Submitting myself to the Lord. And doing and saying whatever he would direct me to do and say. He has convinced me that my action and my direction affects the whole of Life Church. Has He convinced you of your role as a head of house? Head of household, your role. We all believe in the principle, raise up your children in the way that they should go and they won't depart from it. And we all raise children a little bit differently because children are different. I don't even raise one like I raise the other. I've tried. They're just so different in their personality, who they are, what they are, and what it is that God intends for them to be. It's not a pattern. It's not a printed pattern. It's not they're all the same. They're going to be the same. And uh, what you do for one, you do for the other, or because you treated them the same, they're going to react the same. No, they're completely different. You know that by now. You got children of any age. I have tried to be very conscious and very sensitive in my interactions with my children. Now, in early life, I did not achieve it. It was a fight. It was a battle. I was still trying to figure out who I was, never mind who they were. And then as I matured past that process and the focus comes off of me, now it's on them. My sensitivity is to watch their reactions and perceptions and careful to con continue to be an influence rather than be a director I once sent my daughter off the platform, and she left the building and left the church. I knew things had come to a place. I'm, I'm either going to have to say something. This isn't going well. And I did, and she left. I think she was gone four months. 
And I had to look over there at the organ every week and not see her. But she came back. I knew I had to be willing to let her go that I might gain her. Oh, it had some tough nights. I knew it was the right thing to do, though. I never did that with any other. I never had to take that place. See, it's just different. But what I gained in the end and what I see now is such a contrast. It's just. And then I, I have to say, I, I look over and I observe. I watch other parents and I think, oh, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, I'd be careful with that. But, you know, we, we have to work it out. we got to work it out. But don't we want to see our children have a love for God and not have a place of resentment in their life? I, I've I got to tell you, I've seen those kids, too. The minute they turned 18 or 19 or whatever it was and they departed from the household, they chose a different direction. It was never their idea all along. And for some reason, they never saw it as a place of encouragement. I, I don't even know why I'm saying this. I'd like for us to stand. We reflect on, at times, you know, the white throne judgment and the time in the history of God that every person will stand and there will be, we will give an account. We'll give an account. And I think when we consider that thought and that idea, we think about the account of our actions, you know, did I sin, did I not sin, did I, did I get washed and cleansed in the waters of did I confess? Did I, I don't know. But we think of our life and our actions in the respect of between us and the Lord. But I don't know that we all together consider the idea of what it was his purpose in us and the many lives that it would affect and impact. See, again, we are very self-oriented and we think about you know, well, my walk's my walk, and, you know, no. Your walk's our walk. We affect, we impact, and the, the action that we take or hesitate to take affects many people. First and foremost, our own household, our family. I'm reminded of the individual came to the Lord and said, I have a child at home having terrible problems. Would you pray? 
He did. And when the guy got home, problem solved. So, the, again, that relationship between the head of home and the Lord, that child didn't even have to be standing by their side or maybe even living in their home. But because petition and request by faith was made to the Lord, God ministered to that situation that looked impossible. Let's pray together. Those things that I am accountable to you for, Lord. Those things that I am accountable to you for, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let us own it, Lord. Let us own our relationship with you, Father. Let us own it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We are a building fitly framed together, a holy habitation unto God. Help us to see it clear, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Elder Hunt. Praise God. Receive the word today. <laughs>